So it's understanding if we're all icebergs, yeah. it's understanding that we have the stuff everyone sees and then the stuff that we don't. The trick is to get underneath the iceberg in a non-invasive way so that you understand people's currency. So you can ask questions, even if you've been with them for 30 years, I've had this work. You ask questions like, you know, I know that we've worked together for a long time and shame on me for not asking sooner. But I've been thinking about how important you are to me. And I want to know, where where do you see yourself in a year? Where- Welcome to the Manage Self Lead Others Leadership Podcast with Nina Sunday for experienced and aspiring people managers. This show will help you explore ways to become a more intentional leader. Each episode, host Nina Sunday speaks with some of the brightest business minds on the planet who share a passion to elevate and transform team culture. Workplace culture hides in plain sight. Is yours flourishing? Join the movement to make your workplace a better place to work. Are you ready? Because it's time to manage self, lead others. Welcome to Manage Self, Lead Others. My name is Nina Sunday. And today my special guest is Carol Mazu, also known as the Executive Lion Tamer. Carol Mazuk is a bilingual, internationally recognized behavioral strategist and business relationship speaker and coach. And her gift is to help restore peace in the workplace by getting rid of destructive behaviors. Carol Mazuk has a special knack for finding out what's best for under the surface within an organization to help them gain fresh perspectives and new growth. The website is leadershipandsoul.com. Welcome, Carol Wazoo. I was intrigued when uh, I, I was you, you were referred to me as the executive lion tamer. So there must be a story around how what? you got that moniker. <laughs> Tell us about yeah. it. <laughs> Yes, Nina. So um, I, you know, I tell stories to, to help people understand um, that they're not alone, that things, crazy things happen in the workplace. Uh, We behave sometimes maybe not in the best way uh, many times, and it's not our best selves. And so one time I was telling the story uh, and it was to a whole bunch of colleagues actually. And the story was that one of my law firms that I work with, I work with all of their partners and their staff on how to create a cohesive um, environment. Uh-huh. And and one of the um, managing partners had recommended me to another law firm and to specifically this rainmaker in the law firm. Right. And I had lunch with him. And after having lunch with him, he said, listen, I get, I get it. And I know what you do. I know you fix work, broken workplaces and I know you fix people. You're the people fixer, but I don't need you. The people that need you are the people that work with me because I'm the one that brings in all the money <laughs> and I don't need to be fixed. They need to figure out how to work with me. And so I said, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, I, I agree with oh, you. Yes. Of course. It's everybody else's <laughs> fault. <laughs> right, right. And and so inside I'm thinking, well, you're not my people, right? Because I don't work with anyone that's not coachable. And so I gave him my, my card and I said to him, look, if you meet anyone that's coachable and that would want to, you know, get better and grow, 
give him my card. And I thought he would throw it away. Yeah. But about a month later, he called me. And you know what he said, Nina? Tell me. He said, <laughs> I just threw a chair at uh at an associate, a woman, in the in in the conference room. And these were the heavy chairs, because I went to look at the chairs afterwards. These are the heavy chairs. So he was so angry. He threw a chair at this woman. And and then he says, but you know, I, I it's not like I really hit her. I just grazed her shoulder. And so yeah. And so I said, Well, are you calling me because you need better aim? And he said, he was not he was not having any humor. He's like, look, I I, I get it. You think this is funny, but I've got a lawsuit in, you know, on my hands here. This woman already had it out for me. And, and now, now that I did this, I'm coachable. You said I had to be coachable. I never actually said that, but there you go. So when I was sharing this story and they're still a client of mine, they're wonderful, amazing people. We are now at a totally different level of leadership throughout their organization. Because of your influence, no doubt. (laughs) Well, and it's them. They're the ones that do it. Um, But it, it was so interesting because when I was telling that story, somebody um, by the name of Pete Tentler, who's amazing, he he said, he's in reverse mortgages, but he noticed, he, he said, you know, Carol, you're a lion tamer. You're an executive lion tamer. You tame the lions in the workplace. And from there, it just stuck. And now my clients are sending me lions and telling me, thank you for oh, taming them. It's just become kind of a fun thing. That's that's really lovely. And because when I was thinking about our conversation, I knew one of my questions was going to be, when you have an abrasive personality that thinks aggressive is just being assertive, <laughs> they, don't, they don't know the boundary, that do, do they want to change? Are they teachable? And that's the question. It's not about skill. It's about will in the end, isn't it? I love that. It's not about skill. It's about will. Love it. Yes. So the answer is sometimes. And until they get to, it's, it's almost like I'm not comparing workplace situations to alcoholism or addiction, but uh, you have to reach that space like my client did where it's rock bottom. And they're saying, you know what, now there's an investigation. I'm being sued or people are complaining or people are leaving. I'm noticing that there's a lot of distrust. My team needs to be fixed, right? All of those things are signs that something is going on. And many times their people, like if it's CEO, the COO that brings them to me says, hey, I don't think he's coachable. Well, honestly, 98% of the people are coachable, even though they don't think that they might be. Right. Because when I talk to them, it's totally different. They can take off their masks. They can be vulnerable. They can be humans. And what got them to be billionaires and millionaires isn't necessarily going to work anymore. And they're willing to own that with me, but right. not with the people that they work with. <laughs> so. <laughs> At that moment, right? So 98% of the people are surprisingly coachable. And the other 2%, I don't work with until they are. So, well, that, yeah, I, I hear you because you can't work with people that don't want to change or aren't, aren't open to uh, adapting. 
Um, yes. Are we, are we calling this behavior just difficult behavior or is it bullying or what, what, what are the types of, what do you call the types of behavior that you do work with? So there's different types. So there is narcissism, right? And, and, you know, I think we all have a little tiny bit of we, healthy we do. narcissism. I mean, it just depends whether it's a, a, at the at the at the degree of personality disorder. Is it NPD or just M? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so there's everything from the really high narcissist yeah. to someone who just doesn't know how to communicate. So right. typically there are three types of aggressive behavior. There's the there's the physical and verbal aggression where, you know, you're throwing stuff and you are saying really mean things that hurt just as much as if you were to throw a stapler across the room I mean, or a chair, right? Then there's the active aggression where you are using words, but you're not as, um, hmm, you're, you're not as poignant with them, right? And then there's the passive aggression. Oh, we're talking about passive aggressive now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a yes. bit hard to define, and it takes a mature person to even know know what it is or to spot it. Yeah. Yes, or to even know that they're yeah that they have the tendency to, to be to be nodding their head yes, but they're walking out the door backwards. <laughs> yes, I love how you explain things. Yes, yes, I love it. Um, and, and so all of those things are types of aggression. There's indirect aggression, right? It, it's kind of what you're saying. It's exactly what you're saying. And so there's that. Then there's bullying. Yes. And so bullying is a little bit different. With bullying, um, yeah, you you are basically singling out one person for some sort of unreasonable or... Um, embarrassing or maybe intimidating treatment yeah. like you're you're treating them in that way and most of the time in my experience over the 30 years is that the bully uh they're in a position of power yeah and a hundred percent of the time when there is bullying there is also a level of insecurity that is so incredibly high, that is masked by their success, by their financial success, I should say. Yeah. And so, right? And so when it happens with a coworker, um, it's also that level of immaturity, but every single time, 10 out of 10, with someone that's a boss or someone that is at a higher level, it is usually because they feel threatened by the person uh, it, it's usually because they're so insecure and they don't know they're how to jealous. Live. Could it be that they're jealous? Could be jealous. Would they have a sadistic streak? Oh, so I've encountered that. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. They can have a sadistic streak. And, and it doesn't and have to be a manager bullying their direct report. It could be an individual contributor bullying a manager, a oh, really oh. nice manager being bullied by a member of the team. Yes. Because I've been on the receiving end of that. Have you, Nina? I'm so it sorry. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. It was just terrible tone when we had one-on-ones, this superior tone. 
And but even when she finally did leave of her own accord, the team said, We're really glad that black cloud is gone. <laughs> I'm sure. And I'm... I think I think along the way, I, I, I'm I'm in the middle of writing a book on the rookie mistakes of new managers. And one of my mistakes was not really managing uh, a, a team member that that was really not respecting me. And because I just assumed that everybody would respect everybody else and be really nice. So I was a really nice manager, nice person. So I didn't know how to counter somebody that wasn't automatically nice. And so I've, that's one of the things I talk about. It's like what exactly what to say and to not delay making an observation. And it's just make an observation. Look, I'm not sure if you're aware that the tone you're using with me right now it sounds a little bit superior to me, and uh, I thought we were adult and adult. I, I started the business, and you're working for me, so aren't we? Aren't we adults, or something like that? I mean, I'm just making it up on the spot now. <laughs> no, but you're right. It's an observation, and yeah. it's something that doesn't carry a lot of uh, reason for defensiveness coming back. Yeah, it's, it's right? for that person who's obviously acting superior to come back with her superior. Observation, right. counter observation. But at least we, at least I'm naming it. You see, and I think this is. Would you say this is one of the biggest problems? Is is if someone is a team member with a bullying manager, how do they name it? Because almost we're talking about psychological safety here, aren't we, Carol? Yeah. And it's almost so subtle that you almost think, well, it's petty if I say, well, I didn't like your tone when you asked me to do this why I didn't get something done. It's like, you don't want to say that because it sounds like you're being petty. Do you, you know I, what I mean? I you do get, know. You get caught in this, you know, between a rock and a hard place with now yeah, calling out this behaviour. Yeah, especially because they're they're making sure you get paid. So if you ruffle any wrong feathers in your mind, you might not get that raise. You might not be renewed. You might not, you know, all of those things and all of those fears come into play. So mm. when you're talking about naming it, uh, it's incredibly important to think about your experience. Yes. So, right. It, it's not that this yes. person is, yes. It's like, it's, I might be wrong, but this is how I feel. Exactly. Exactly. Be like, big enough to say, I, I, you know, I might, I might be seeing it incorrectly, but this is how I'm seeing it, and this is how I feel, and maybe you can correct it. So, and if they're yeah. reasonable people, they will hear you. Right. And if they're not, then you have to work on. Okay. So, what is their, what is their skill level at work? Why are they still there? What is their attitude? What is their um, trajectory? Right. And, and why, like, how are we going to help them release them back into the industry <laughs> so that somebody else can pick them up? Right. Because if they don't fit in with our culture, yeah, then there's no reason to keep, to keep harassing in, in a, a very indirect way, by the way, the other people on the team, because yeah. for every one toxic person, back to what you were saying earlier with new managers, Nina, for every one toxic person, in a team of 20, they are more, they are 54%. They are because of the contagion effect. I've That's been reading about this. Positive people have a certain uh, degree of, you know, spreading joy, but 
abrasive people, it's it's Times Square. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's little it's literally like they're sneezing on you with their yeah. toxicity. Oh. Except you can't you can't hear it and you can't feel the droplets falling you don't on have you. Have a handkerchief. <laughs> I know, right? You <laughs> have a mask. And and it's hard because it's so it's so indirect and subtle sometimes and it's little comments here and there that they're it, it's it's evasive and it's a little to, scorpion bite isn't it oh I like that I felt it yes mm. yes and so you by the time that you realize what happened you're like oh gosh was it me did it you know this kind of this kind of thing and so what what I tell people is not only do you observe and and make it your own kind of this is what I'm experiencing I have filters right so I want to make sure that your experience something was similar and if it's not then let's talk about it but it's always from the point of me and my dirty windshield and whatever came through my dirty windshield is this so what point do you call it an expert like you to help because sometimes it's beyond your capacity to fix. It's a bit like parents and adolescents. Adolescents will sometimes listen to the the friend of the family who's an adult who says exactly the same thing as the parents. And the parents go, but that's what I tell them. But there's that parent-child thing. So sometimes you need that arm's length relationship. And, and yeah. yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, at the point where you've tried different things right. or you just don't know what to do because you're in a predicament, right? They're either a great performer, but they're very toxic. Usually that's athlete. what it is. That you're putting up with it because they bring in the results. Right. And this, this it's like the Rainmaker I talked about, right? Yeah. yeah. You wanted to deal with it. So they sent it to me. Well, the only way I'm going to deal with it is head on, but also with a team, because yeah. as I'm helping them grow, I also have to work with the team and them so that they're growing into this cohesive glue-like state where there's a lot of loyalty and you see each other in a different light and you're growing with each other as a team while you're developing your own gaps. So what so I'm hearing is, yes, you... You cannot actually coach one person. If you bring in a coach, you've got to bring, coach the whole team because otherwise they're being singled out. They're not going to like that. <laughs> yes. And and sometimes I do coach them depending on the situation, but most of the time oh. when it is infiltrated, we have to really deal with the infiltration. We have yeah. to detoxify the situation because otherwise, even if this person changes, the filters and the windshields of these people are not changing. And so mm. even if they try and they do things differently, like for instance, Nina, great shirt. If I'm or, if I'm already on your blacklist, if I've already said things that were condescending, rude, all passive aggressive, and I say, hey, Nina, nice shirt. Immediately, you're gonna be like, can you believe that Carol said nice shirt to me, right? And so- the lens is going to help you interpret it in a way that I didn't mean it. But That's if they, right. They'll go, I bet you they're being sarcastic. <laughs> right? And it could be. Right. You don't trust them anymore. It's called the emotional bank account. You're in overdraft. 
<laughs> you're so in overdraft. There is a hole <laughs> that is just terrific. And so that's why it's important. Sometimes I do have situations where it hasn't infiltrated. This person's trying to get a hold of how he communicates or she communicates or they communicate. Um, and and so we we can work on it in a way where we can affect the whole team that way. But most of the time, by the time they come to me, it's they've tried every coach, they've tried everything. And now it's like, let's go to the toxic expert. <laughs> so, so, you know, so, so we've got the, let's say it's the manager and they are not toxic themselves, but they really don't know how to handle this abrasive personality. And, and before they go to get a coach uh, or, uh, you know, get a consultant, what what would be some tactics you would suggest that they 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 try, please, Carol? <laughs> question. So here's because you don't always need it, and and you can yeah. do it yourself in many ways. So number one, remember that people can't give what they don't have. So if someone's not giving you kindness or others kindness, if someone's not giving you um, whatever it is, right? S some sort of affect that you're looking for or attitude or whatever. they don't have it themselves. They don't have anything to pour out of. Right. So understand that if they are unkind, they are in pain. So it's a cry for help, whether or not they know it and whether or not they agree that it's a cry for help. But so it may not be current pain. It could be childhood trauma, correct? Yes. And that childhood trauma is now current just, pain. It's just hidden inside being the the the, the co-pilot of the plane and you think you're the pilot, but actually there's this other thing running you, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah, exactly. okay. So yeah. they and don't know that they're operating from a point of pain. Okay, yeah. so that's fine. But now you're the manager and you have to be aware of they're, they're in pain. So what? Have grace, have grace for them. So oh. instead of feeling like, oh my God, I can't take it anymore. They can't take it anymore. What is wrong with these people? Just take a step back and realize this person's in pain. They're right. in pain. So give them a little bit of grace. Okay. And the worse they are, the more pain that they have been in for the longer period of time. So have a little sympathy for them. Um, and the next thing is have a situation where you have a system where there's baked in accountability and everyone's kind of working on something so that there's no putting this person in time out. There's no, you know, oh, this person is the terrible one because honestly, we're all enablers. We've enabled this behavior. We've allowed it. In fact, we respond to it. And the person has learned to behave that way around us because we've tolerated it. And so we need to have some sort of system of accountability and know where to yes. hide. And what, what system of accountability will work? in that situation, please, Carol. <laughs> so the, the system generally, and I'll, I'll talk about, you know, what has worked for me after many years of trial and error. Well, um, thank you for sharing your wisdom <laughs> and uh, from your expertise. <laughs> of course, of course. So um, the first phase is really detoxing. It's detoxing yeah. the people by helping them understand their own biases 
by helping them understand their language, by helping them understand their needs and drives, their boundaries, and also helping them understand the other peoples as well. So it's just a state of discovery with others and yourself. Part of that also entails making amends to yourself for all of those times that you weren't true to you, for all of those times that you put yourself last, for all of the times that you treated someone badly because that was painful to you, but you've learned to live in that. So it has to do with yourself and with others and mm -hmm. moving through it together. The wow. second phase of that is really engage. It's have you earned the right to lead? Look in the mirror and what are the things that bothers you or sets you off? If you're the bully, let's say, or you're the aggressive person, what sets you off, right? Generally, it's things that we can look at from before, but now yeah. the triggers at work are certain things. So when you can start to determine those things that are disallowing you from moving forward in your relationships, then we can start to have some tools based on what you need. I'll give you a quick example. Mm. So, you know, many times we'll say, you know, that person just doesn't listen. And when you talk to that other person, the first thing they'll say about you is you're a terrible listener, right? So, a, so a tool that you might have is maybe listen with a pen, right? Teach people to say, Hey, what you're saying is so important to me that I'm going to write it right down as much as I can. And then I'm going to tell you what I understood because that's how important it is to understand what you're saying to me. I so love listen with a pen because that's what I like to do. But I feel as if some people think I'm, you know, yes, being interrogative. It's like, no, no, I remember if I write it down. <laughs> I don't even have to look at it again sometimes. Once written, oh. twice remembered. <laughs> yes, I'm that way. I'm that kind of learner as well. Mm -hmm. And so and so, what we can do is just tell them ahead of time. Even with mm -hmm. all of my clients, I tell them, I'm going to be taking notes because I want to remember what you're saying to me. It's That's important right. to me. And That's honestly, I want to share with you. This is the other piece of it. I want to share with you what I got from what you said so that nice. you can correct me if I got anything wrong. Oh, that is lovely. Very nice. Yes. So, and it really helps because then people feel listened to. You don't interrupt mm. and you let people drain their cup as, you know, as they're moving along. And it does lovely. a lot for relationship building. So the engage is the second pillar where you're learning how to lead. You're learning more about how do you inspire and motivate, and engage people? How do you know if they're disengaged or toxic versus engaged or actively engaged? And how do you then take these players and help them move through the flow, all of them to active engagement, so that they're not sneezing this virus on mm -hmm. people, every little thing that they do. Yes. And with the active engagement people, these are the people that are above and beyond all the time. They're the ones that are thinking of innovative things. They're the ones that feel like it's their company, right? So with them, what are we doing to make sure they don't become flight risks? Yes, so because you don't want the good people to leave because of one toxic abrasive personality which is yes. what can happen yeah yes and mm. so when you go through all of the stages of engage and inspire and all of that then the last piece 
is unite, unite the team. And this is where you really not only have the culture by design, so you design your culture, but you now make sure that how you're living it is making sense and that it that it's bringing everyone together and uniting them as a cohesive team that has each other's backs. That's the end of it. You have each other's backs. There's trust. There is accountability. There's the ability to say, hey, Nina, I understand what you're saying, or at least I think I do. And I, I really think we should go in a different direction. And here's why. Mm. And the ability to hear, thank you, Carol, we're still going to go in this direction, right? But you heard me. So all yeah. of that, all, all of that, it creates this unification that I can tell you, Nina, with, with one of my companies a few years back, there was someone with a with their foot out the door that was a very high performer. She was a technical writer. Yeah. She was getting ready to leave. And now, actually not, not now, but back then, and um, about it was about six to eight months after we started the whole process, she was offered a job with triple the pay and double the vacation. And she didn't take it because she said, my manager now knows, like, he knows who I am. He cares about me as a person. I, I can't guarantee that there. And I'm going to be miserable again. There's no way I'm I'm moving. And so now to present day, it's a, such a different environment because everyone has that mindset. There you go. Um. So th the activities that will reunite re people it's not. It's more than just regular meet, group meetings, isn't it? What it's, What do you recommend? So it's understanding if we're all icebergs. Yeah. It's understanding that we have the stuff everyone sees, and then the stuff that we don't. The trick is to get underneath the iceberg in a non-invasive way, so that you understand people's currency, so you can ask questions, even if you've been with them for thirty years. I've had this work. You ask questions like, you know, I know that we've worked together for a long time and shame on me for not asking sooner, but I've been thinking about how important you are to me. And I want to know where, where do you see yourself in a year? Where do you know? It's the normal questions, but it's how you, you, the, you, the career question, that, the career that, question but if they the worked for you for years and you're just getting the epiphany now I should be asking them about where they want to head in their career it's never too late to ask that question never too late and don't feel like it's too late because that's what prevents us from doing it because right. we worry that they're going to think something's up that we're worried about that they're going to be fired or they're going so you have to qualify why yeah. you're doing it now very good point that's the important thing and and it's not just career you ask them about you know, hey, what are your motivators, right? What gets you excited? What are your demotivators? Um, how do you like to learn? How do you like to complete projects? Do you like to be told the step-by-step -step, or do you like to be told just the outcome and then you figure out the how, right? So it's having these dialogues that get us underneath the surface and make people feel valued and doing it in a way where it's a dialogue, not an interview. And- what I'm hearing, Carol, is that you're talking about one-on-one -on -one conversations. Yes, thank you. One-on-one, -on -one, definitely one-on-one -on -one and, and outside the four walls of the work. So take a walk, go for coffee, take yes. them for lunch, get out. Yes. <laughs>
and and here's the thing i i'm un, i'm of the understanding now that good managers are having regular one-on-ones at least once a month maybe once every two weeks for about 15 or 20 minutes it doesn't have to be long it's not a performance appraisal it's not a performance review it's just a conversation and you can choose to make it a career conversation or you can be just a general one like what are the roadblocks to getting things done how can i help is it would you agree with that I would absolutely agree with that. Mm. And if you want to even take it further, I um I have my managers and my teams meet every morning for a morning huddle or in the afternoon where everybody is is at work, even if it's on on video, just for a quick what's going well, what are you working on? What can I what can I do for you to get the obstacles out of the way? Um and the questions can switch and it only it's only about a minute at the most per person, depending on how big your team is. Well, look, we're almost coming to the end of our time. And Carol, the time is flying. It's just wonderful speaking with you. Uh, this idea of people being coachable, you did tell us about that one individual that chew, chew, threw the chair. <laughs> but and, and fear of litigation was, was motivation. But have you got any others, just one more case story or uh, case study or story from the workplace that will inspire people that, that the situation can improve and can change. Absolutely. So I have another situation. I get this a lot. I have another situation where there is a group, believe it or not, of mean girls, and they are in, they are in, they are older than 50. Right. <laughs> and so we're not talking about teenagers here, right. but we're talking about people that have created a negative cohort in order to have a common enemy so that they feel that they belong to something bigger than them because they feel so alone in the world. Oh. Yes. And who's their enemy? Their boss. Yes. And so, right? so they start trying to undermine their boss. They start trying to, you were talking about that earlier, how when the boss is not the person, it's really the people under them, right? And it's so subtle and it's exclusion from certain things like, oh, let's not have, let's not even tell them that, that, that this is happening or, you know, um, they would, they would do surveys like behind their back. They would, you know, they, they do a lot of things. They also tell stories that are not true. Like they're spending, the CEO is spending money on this and they're going above their head to the board. And it's just a lot of, yeah, it's, it's a lot of falsified information. Here's the trick. Here's the interesting yeah. thing Yeah, is that when I talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, they've actually started to believe their stories. Wow. When you ask them for evidence, they don't have the evidence because there isn't any, but they've, they, they've had to start believing the story in order to continue being part of that group. Yes. And in order to be okay with themselves. Right. And so they truly believe that this person has, is an ogre. Oh. And it's because of the belief and it gets stronger and stronger. And the more the CEO tries, the worse it gets because of what we talked about with, yeah. hey, nice shirt, Nina, right? They will try. And any communication is turned upside down. Yes. So, so here we had to figure out what is their currency? Why are they part of this organization? And if they don't have a commitment to the organization, if there's no currency there, might be time to separate them yeah um if they want to stay there if it's important for them to stay there then we have to start talking about how it's impacting them 
And what becomes possible if we were to fix this? Because the CEO is not going away. Yep. Even though they want that person to go away so badly, there somebody else is going to come in and they're going to be the target too. So, so as long as that's happening, what are the rules of engagement moving forward for themselves and for everybody on the team? And more importantly, do they care to fix it? And if they don't care to fix it, that that's what I'm talking about. No place to hide. Mm. They don't, if they don't care to fix it, we already know they're 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 voting with their feet. So that and that yeah, it is common in the workplace because I remember having long conversations with a manager who was dealing with that. Uh, ultimately, over time, it did resolve itself with people moving of their own accord. <laughs> but. You can't rely on that. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, yeah, what is exactly. the what is the saying? Hope is not a strategy. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, look, look, Carol. Um, I know you're based in California, and I'm based in Australia. So our listeners are actually global. When in the top one hundred in Tanzania, hello, all the Africans. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Poland, I'm of Poland extraction. We've been in the top 100 in Poland. Nagelski uh, <laughs> was my family name and it transformed to Sunday because Nagella means Sunday in uh, in Polish. But um, so hello to everybody in, in the world listening. But how can people work with you? Because you probably do work globally, do you, Carol? I do, I do, yeah. yeah. And how yeah. it'll be in the show notes how they can find you. But I know you've got this wonderful site called Leadership and Soul, but it's not A N D, it's N Leadership and Soul. So yeah. S O U L, and which is lovely. And you've got a few other websites as well. So they'll find you on LinkedIn. Yes, please yeah. find me on LinkedIn. And then uh, what you can consult with, uh, you know, a, a company over Zoom and maybe have meetings over Zoom. And if, if it's in the states, you could probably travel if necessary. And yeah, and I travel uh, overseas as well when I need to. Mm. So yeah, the the global piece. As long as you know, I speak Spanish as my first language. That's right. So you're bilingual. Level. That's right. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, but I'm happy to. I also have clients in France and China, and so it it just doesn't matter. Um, if you want, I'll tell you what. Because I love you so much, and this is honestly not something that I that I do ever, yeah. <laughs> but um, if they mention Nina Sunday and her podcast, I'll give them a 30 minute free session where we oh. can figure out the tools that they can use and all of that. Uh, so it's a $250 value. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do that. That is so your- kind of you, Carol. And I'm sure, uh, yeah, my listeners may uh, perk up at the thought of that. That's lovely. I'll put that in the show notes. And uh, when that offer expires, we'll just take it out of the show notes. So get in quick. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, and that includes for personal relationships too. Yeah. It's, the tools can use that, that we use uh, can be used for both. So You are wonderful to spend time with, Carol. We could speak all day. It's been a lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. And thank you so much for sharing uh, your uh, knowledge and skill. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Nina. This episode, we've been speaking with Carol Marsuk on the Manage Self and Others podcast for People Managers. I'm your host, Nina Sunday. And remember, if you like this podcast, tell a friend. 
because many of the listeners tell me that it's only because someone sent them the link and told them it was a good show to listen to that they actually found the podcast. So remember to subscribe so you can catch the next episode. And we have conversations with people who share insights on how to elevate and transform human culture. So connect with me on LinkedIn, say hi, and remember Carol's special offer. Check it out on the show notes and thank you for listening. Until next time, bye for now. Nina Sunday is on a mission to help leaders transform culture. To book Nina Sunday CSP to speak at your conference, visit ninasunday.com to request a proposal. Nina travels from Brisbane, Australia for in-person presentations Australia-wide. Twice certified virtual presenter, Nina Sunday presents virtually, globally, for any time zone. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.